a warm welcome from myself. Uh, my name's Christian, for those that don't know me, um, to church uh, today and to C3 Cheltenham. A warm welcome if you're watching us online as well. Now, um, I'm going to cut straight into what we are doing uh, today. Uh, but before I will do that, um, I just want to make a, a short announcement that as a church, we really believe in investing in next generational leaders. That's how we believe things are to go and to grow if we are to move on. And we believe in training people up to take on the calling of God that is on people's lives. Um, so we've started a leadership course with just a few people at the moment um, and they include so far, and not exclusive, we're not shutting our ears to God, but they include so far Seko, Rashid and Sheba, they've started it. Uh, Claire and Bahara are also doing that leadership training with, in line with their CC Kids leadership right now. And as of September, um, Beth will be commencing a two-year course with ourselves as training minister. Now, the intention will be that she will volunteer part-time here to undertake uh, theoretical and practical work, and that's going to be overseen by ourselves and by Ellie to help develop her into the calling that God's got on her life. Um, we'll trust at that point that God has gonna, is going to make it clear to Beth and for ourselves for the next steps forward after that particular period. So she's currently looking for part-time work to fund these next two years. Um, so I'm sure she'll appreciate your prayers in uh, making that happen as she searches for whatever work she can find um, to make that happen. But she's, that's a, a, a very big commitment from herself there. Um, but um, and God will honor that massively, we believe. Amen? That's good. So today we're going to begin a series on the Ten Commandments. Um, and we're going to start with the top one, which is the top priority, as far as most people would say. And I will talk about that a bit more in a second. A quick overview um, of, of where we got, or how you get to the Ten Commandments in the Bible. It's in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. So before that, you've had the book of Genesis, if you know your Bible. And then you've had 19 chapters of Exodus. I'm not going to do all of that now, because that's a big ask, all right? But effectively, you go through all of the Genesis, and if you leave Genesis, um, you've, you've gone through Abraham. I don't know if these names are familiar. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they come up again and again and again in Scripture. All the way through, you'll see, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Um, and uh, Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, it's a little bit of a shift there, um, because obviously Israel then becomes a nation. He has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph, and you can watch all about his in Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical of his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, but to cut a long story short, it doesn't go well for him at first after all these dreams and stuff. But after a while, he goes off to Egypt, which is great for him. Uh, well, not first because he's put in jail. But after that, he, he works his way up the ranks after a bit of dream interpretation. And he becomes one of the top dogs, which is very, very, very good news for him. Now, um, the rest of his brothers work out he's still alive. They go off to Egypt. And the whole of Israel goes off to Egypt. And that's where we leave. That's very, by the way, if you're checking me on what have I left out, that's pretty a lot. So if you want to read the book of Genesis, read it. Great book, but I'm going to spoil the book of Genesis for you a little bit because everyone dies. Well, I mean, you should know that anyway because, you know, it was thousands of years ago. Apart from Enoch, there's an interesting one. Find Enoch in the book of Genesis. He didn't die. Ooh. Right, so if you read Genesis, then it finishes in a happy place for Israel, for the Israelites. They're in, they are in the, the, the place where they're being fed. 
Hundreds of years go by, and they're now in place of slavery again. So pretty much Exodus kicks in in a bad place. And so effectively, Moses is raised up. Um, and if you fast forward to Exodus 3, there's a burning bush incident, which you may know about, you may not. Um, there's a massive argument between God and uh, Moses, because Moses doesn't want the job. Um, so he has to be persuaded a little bit um, to do that. Finally, he takes it on. So that's just at the age of 80, Moses takes this gig on. Um, so if you're younger than 80 and you've not served God yet, it's not the end. Yeah, Because Moses... Moses has got a big name for himself, I would still say at this point. Uh, so Moses um, supposes that he's going to do this job. He does a, um, comes along, and God does an amazing job through him, and he, he basically rescues Israel. Now, remember that this is the children of Israel. So they're already people that are God's children. You with me on that? Yeah? They've not done anything amazing. It's by God's grace. He's, he's called them out of Egypt, and we've just sung it. He splits the sea open so that they can escape, which is amazing. Yeah, he splits the sea open so he can escape, and the rest of Israel escape, and they escape into um, the desert at this point. They've not actually made it into the promised land. And then at Mount Sinai, um, Exodus 20, Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments, because no law had been given yet. Nothing was written in stone, at least. Wait for that to land. <laughs> Nothing's been written in stone. But at this point, he gets, he gets two tablets downloaded from the cloud, and he comes <laughs> down. You have to work on these gags. He gets two tablets, and he comes down from the cloud, and, uh, and he's got, like, he's got, I'm not, and I'm not, we're not going to get into what they were up to at this particular point. But um, by God's grace, People are saved. By God's grace, his children were rescued. By God's grace, they were taken out of slavery. By God's grace, it all happened. And then out of a response to that, God said, this is my mandate. This is what I'm expecting from you to, to, to look for here. So the Ten Commandments show what redeemed life is to look like for Israel. Okay? Now, when you go into, um, and this is a summary of the Ten Commandments. I'm just setting this whole thing up because we're going to look at a series of the Ten Commandments of this next few weeks. But when you look into uh, Matthew 5, when Jesus starts talking on the Sermon on the Mount, he starts really saying, well, you're not really getting the point of the Ten Commandments or, or of the law in itself. And he starts trying to give people the, the understanding that it's not really external behaviors that we were supposed to be focusing on is your internal heart. Okay? So he then he measures on things like, yeah, all right, I, mean, I said to Mark, I can agree with my, my, it was One of my relatives said at one point, um, I don't think I'm a bad person because I've never murdered anybody. You know, what's one of the Ten Commandments? Tick, you've done it. Jesus drove it a lot deeper. And he said, well, it's not about not murdering, it's about not hating. Yeah? So the whole point of what we're doing here is we're not looking at external behaviors and going, well, let's make sure we've, we're ticking off a list of external behaviors. It's about what did God mean when he put those things in in the first place? What was he driving at? Why did he want these things in the Bible? Can't we just ignore them now? We've got the New Testament. Or is there something there to be learned? Is there something from these Ten Commandments that he actually put in there 
that goes a lot deeper than just making sure that you're not doing this, not doing that, not doing the other. Got it? Okay. So, are we all happy? We're all engaged? Good, because I might ask questions, and it's always, as a teacher, you always ask the person who's not listening the most. So do be aware, even if you're not listening, just keep your eyes on me, and that'll be fine, because I'll think that you are. So, moving swiftly on, for those that are looking nervous right now. Um, the first four commandments were all about relationship with God, and the second, uh, the remaining six are about relationship with one another. Okay, so let's examine them through New Testament eyes in many respects because that's how we should be doing it. And we'll start off with Exodus 20 verse 2, uh, which kicks the whole thing off. Um, and it is there. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. God identifies who he is. Yep, that's the starting place for all of this. This is who I am. I am this God. I am who... We I rescued you. I'm the God who, who came in and, and did what was required. I'm the God who cares for you. I'm the God who protects you. I'm the God who loves you. I'm the God who's redeemed you. I'm the God who is bothered about your situation. That's, that's the first starting point in all of this. That's, the, that's how we're to set off by understanding everything that follows. This is my God. This is who my God actually is. Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. He's our great redeemer. And Jesus puts us first by dying for us on the cross. Amen? He put us first there and then, and he continues to do so. Right now, he's always looking to pour his love into our lives. Right now. He's always looking to pour his goodness into our lives. Everything begins with our relationship with Jesus. Everything begins in that place of relationship. It is knowing who God is in our heads and hearts that sets this whole thing in perspective. And it's essential that we have the right angle on it, first of all. It's knowing his love for us. It's knowing his peace for us. It's knowing his grace for us. It's knowing everything that he is to us. It's wearing those glasses that we are to read the rest of it. Does that make sense? There's a reason why verse 2 is before verse 3. Because verse 3 needs to be read in context on that level. God is for us. He is with us. And he's entered into a fully committed covenant relationship with us. He has promised his heart to each and every one of us. Grab that for one moment. He's promised his heart to each and every one of us. That's our God. He's given us his heart, okay? So we can affect God's heart by the way that we are in our lives. Do you know you are God's top priority? Yeah? You might think, well, he's got big things to think about other than me. God, God's top priority in, your, in, 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 in the world is relationship with you. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die on the cross. You with me? You are God's top priority in everything that takes place. And likewise, we are to promise our heart to him. Likewise, we're to make him our top priority. That's the relationship he wants. That's the kind of thing he's after. We're after doing what he's done for us, to commit our complete heart to him, to commit our mind to him, to commit our soul to him, to guard our hearts against any other thing that would compete for total devotion to Jesus to wholeheartedly embrace his plans, his desires, his commands for us. Because he is Lord, not me. 
Jesus put it like this. When he was talking about what was the most important thing, he would have put that like this. Or he did put it like this. Teach you which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You see, having no other God seems quite an easy job for me because I think, well, do you know what I mean? I haven't got many idols at home, I don't think. I don't, I don't, I don't have any things on the mantle. I don't have a mantelpiece. But I, do you know what I mean? I don't go around, I don't think, worshipping other stuff. I don't think I do. But when I put it like this, I'm supposed to love him with everything, then that kind of changes the emphasis a little bit because now it's a very, very different question. A love relationship with each and every person is what God desires. A love relationship. That is what he's after. That's his ultimate prize. He desires to be our number one love. Our number one priority, our number one love. He desires that we surrender everything over to him. In Matthew 16, verses 24 onwards, it says, Jesus says to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, there's a promise in that. Surrender completely over to God. Surrender your life to him. And Jesus' very life will flow through your veins. Surrender everything. Surrender completely everything that's ours. Make him number one in every single area, and the very life of Christ flows through every single part of our lives. Is that good? Is that a reason why we should surrender? Yeah? Or do you want to hold back still and go, do you know what, I think I'll be all right by myself, thanks very much. Yeah, because that's the choice. It's still always the choice. We're never forced into anything. We can keep Jesus as Savior and not be bothered about the rest of it, but it's a pretty poor life. But the minute we start surrendering the areas over, then we enter into a much more colorful, much more rich, much more wonderful experience of the presence of God, of the love of God, of the joy of God flowing through every single part of us. It is as we give God our whole lives and hearts that he floods through us, his peace, his love, his joy, his grace, his mercy. And isn't that a good thing? Yep. Isn't that what we want? To give God number one spot is the best thing that you could do for yourselves. I feel like a salesman here, but it is. All right? It's the best thing you could do for yourself. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it is the best thing ever. We have been made purposely to love God completely. It is your true purpose in life, to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And it has and comes with it so many different benefits. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says the following, which is um, something that is worth going to. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 2 is a very popular verse, actually. Verse 1, no one likes. Verse 2 
you'll see around do not be confronted. Try and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can go into bookshops, in Christian bookshops, and you'll see that, you know, a whole book's written on how to be renewed in your mind and, and all the rest of it. But interestingly, if you read it in the New, Tri New Living Translation, it says, allow God to change the way you think. It changes it a little bit around, doesn't it? Allow God to change the way you think. A lot of the books I've seen about this is about being really strict with your thoughts and, and battering every single thought that's not of God and, and all the rest of it. And funnily enough, if you actually start going down on the Greek, it's a passive verse. It's a passive verb. Allow God. Just allow him to change the way you think. And it's actually in total connection with verse 1. Verse 1 says, surrender to God and then allow him to change the way you think. You see, if you take the text out of the context, you're just left with con. I nick that, but it's good, isn't it? You can't just take one verse out and just go, well, look, I love that, and I'll just put it on the mantelpiece there, and that's a nice little verse. But it comes straight after verse 2. Surrender, and then we'll hear him better. Surrender, and then we'll get a clearer idea of what God is actually saying to us right now. Because surrendering our hearts over to Jesus brings with it the incredible bonus of being able to hear the voice of God far, far clearer. And let me tell you this. God's words will clean our minds and clean our hearts far more effectively than our own efforts ever will. Amen? Yeah? So... Living in that place of listening is a good place to live. There is a competition going on in our hearts all of the time for top priority. The number one spot. Every single day. It's for the place that should be reserved for God, but there will be a fight every single day for that top spot. I feel like doing the... Uh, the top 10 here in, in, uh, in a DJ voice. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but that's the thing. What's the number one today? What's the, no. Um, it's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It is that important. And we need to be aware of what's being attacked, if you like, or what is the competition. Should we have a look at the competition? I, I, I've uh, found this acronym it's called FIRST, which looks good, doesn't it? Because what's FIRST? Um, and uh, the first one is finances. This is going to get really ouchy at times, this. I'm sorry. All right. So if you don't want to listen to this bit, then I understand. <laughs> so is God number one in our finances? That's your first question. Okay? And these are the questions that you have to, we have to answer ourselves. Jesus spoke on finances more than any other topic. Interesting, didn't that? Yeah. But he didn't do it to grab your money. He didn't go out going, right, I'm going to do another you know, circuit around Israel trying to get me coffers up and trying to get more cash. It wasn't his motivation. He knew it. He did it because he knew its power to drag our hearts away from God. He knew what its power was, what money's power, what finance's power was to drag our minds and our hearts away. And it's important that we put God first here especially. Okay? Remember that everything you own right now is God's. That's all I wanted. An amen. Just somebody. Everything you now own is God's. 
Yeah, if you can bring yourself to that place, it's very good. What did you bring into the world? And what will you take out of him? Nothing, okay? That's the way it is. And probably is a good thing. Everything you, owe, you now own, whether it's the house, whether it's the car, whether it's the clothes, whatever it is, it's all God's. However much money you've got in the bank, it's all God's. And if we can come to that place first, I don't ever need to talk about tithing ever again. Yes, because it's all his. And he can choose. And it's down to us to, to, to let him decide what he does with it. Yeah. And, and I would implore you to encourage you to keep on doing it. Keep on going down that. You know, what do you want me to do? Generosity is such a freeing way of living our lives. It honestly is. It brings a freedom with it that being tight-minded doesn't. It's very, very, very wonderful when we, when we come to that place where we allow God um, free reign to our finances. Guard your heart and mind. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Completely. Um, interest is I. I'm going to spell out first for those that are interested. So interest are next. Hobbies, interests, activities, things like that. They're good things to have. I'm not saying that they're not. But, you know, finances, you've got to have finances. You've got to have interests. I mean, you know, these are all things that you will have in your life that are going to come out here. You know, there's not going to be any, any surprises. But it's where is God in all of this? That's the question all the time. Where is God in all of this? Now, you can tell, I can tell, if God is number one in my heart by what I'm thinking about the most. Yeah? What do I think about the most? What, do I, what gets more mind time? What, gets, what do I read about the most? What do I watch the most? Yeah? What am I paying most attention to? And those are the things that are probably going to be number one. Um, the, the kids once got me into um, a game, some of you won't even be aware of this, um, on the mobile phone called Clash of Clans. Does anyone know what Clash of Clans is? Yeah, right. So, so they got me into this game. Um, this was a few years back. And um, I said, oh, Dad, you've got to download this game, Clash of Clans. I was never into this Clash of Clans or whatever. Oh, I got addicted. I got addicted. It was amazing. I was watching. I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. And, and hours were going by. Uh, literally, hours were going by. And I only played it for a couple of days. I was like, this is an amazing game. You have to set these like, um, armies up in different places. I'm not going into the detail. Set armies to, to beat the other guy, or you could play online. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Until I went to bed the second night, and as I closed my eyes, I could see all these armies attacking other armies. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not good, is it? <laughs> I'm going to delete that. <laughs> What's taking most of your thoughts? What's taking most of your mind up? Where, where are your activities? I just keep God number one. That's all. Make sure God's getting the glory in what you're doing. God was not getting the glory in Clash of Clans. I tell you, I can tell you that for nothing. But let God be glorified in everything that you do. Interests, activities, in your hobbies. Just make sure he's number one. Because we have to keep our hearts guarded. Um, and if you go into bed and you're seeing little armies attack other armies, that's not a good sign. So, just one thing. R is next for relationships. Ooh, relationships. So, again, keep God number one in every relationship that we have. And make sure that in everything, God is put in the first and foremost place. I had a friend once. 
It was nice, just the once. I had a friend once at work, years back, this was, and um, he was a devout atheist. You know, like one of those kind of like, uh, he had an atheist Bible. He would, we, would, we, would, uh, we would have lots of discussions. It was good, you know. Um, it got quite, you know, in very, very highbrow in the end. But, but um, it went nowhere. The discussions were going nowhere. He wasn't becoming any more kind of like interested in Christianity, and I wasn't becoming any more interested in atheism. It was literally just one, one person arguing against another. Um, and then I felt God say to me, just, just, um, just stop these discussions um, and, um, and just tell him. I can't remember what specifically it was, but as, it went, as, as the discussion went on, I said, look, I, I don't think we're going to come to any agreement. All I can tell you is when God is number one in my life, my relationship with my wife is brilliant. And that was it. That was the end of the argument. Because he couldn't come back with anything. There's no argument to that. When God is number one in my life, my relationship with my wife is fantastic. And that's the way relationships are supposed to be. Aren't they? Yeah. When God's number one in our lives, our relationships flow with a grace. They flow in a way in which they are intended to flow all along. There's less friction. Yeah. If you want the engine analogy of oil going over the, the cogs. There's less friction in a relationship. There's less friction in you know, who's going to be getting their own way with the remote control at night or whatever it is you like to do. Yeah, and so it becomes one of those scenarios where making sure that God's number one is good for your relationship. Yeah, and that's very, very important. Schedule is S. Woo, good this, isn't it? So schedule is S. Um, it's probably the one I, 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 I can struggle with the most because it's very, it's important to make time and make space for God every single day. Um, and, and really, the ultimate is to let your whole day be filled with the presence of God. Let your whole, that's the, that's the, the goal. Let your whole day be filled with the presence of God, whatever you're doing. You might be working, but you can still do it in the presence of God. Yep. Might, you might be busy doing a, a job, but it can still be in the presence of Jesus. Let that happen, but make space for God whatever happens in your schedule. In the day, in the week, make sure that God's actually there and number one. It is, it is, I think it can be the weakest area sometimes if you get busy. I can allow busyness in my life so much that I am crowbarring time in for God. Does that make sense? And then it's when I'm tired, and that's rubbish time. So it's like I've had a really busy day and I'm falling asleep, but I'll spend five minutes trying to read Galatians or something. It's rubbish time. Make sure it's quality time. Schedule is really, really important that we actually give God the number one spot in that. All right? The number one spot. I know some of this is ouch. You know, it's just to make you think. But, uh, but there we are. It is making sure that that's the case. And the last one is troubles. So you got first now. Can you see first? Make sure God's number one in your troubles. You've got you've all of those things you have. Yes, at different times you will have. Um, or you, you definitely do have right now. Um, I don't know if you read the news this week, but there was a certain school in the county that had an issue. And we will leave it at that. Um, and, um, and so I'll, I'll not go into a huge story. I haven't got time. 
but it was, it was worrisome, I think, um, for, for us. Our youngest was at the school, um, and there was no news coming out of it other than the case that an incident had been taking place. And that was it. That's all we knew, and a huge police presence all the way around the school. So that's, that's the news as a parent we had. That was it. You know, huge police presence all the way around the school, and the police will make a statement. I think we had an email from the school about an hour later uh, saying that there's an incident. It, it, it was very poor information at that point, but it's all they could give. Now, that is a worrying situation, yeah? At least one of your children. That is a horrible, horrible situation. Um, but at the same time, it is essential in the worst of the worst that we keep God center and, and front and center in everything we go through. Yeah? So in all of that, during all of that, it was keeping on coming back to what God was saying, keeping coming back to the, the putting God number one in that situation, keeping God until we knew he was safe. And even when we knew he was safe, still keeping him number one. Yep, because that's where you get your peace from. All right? And I'll be honest with you. Every time I prayed, I had peace in my heart that things were going to be all right. Every time I read the news, I lost that peace. It's an interesting thing. What you actually read makes a big difference. So then I would pray again, having read the news, and I'd get my peace back. So make sure we keep God number one. And he, you know, everything, I'm not going into it too much, he was excited by the whole thing, but um, <laughs> that's what happens when you're a 14-year-old boy and you come out of these things. Um, but not for us. We were like, oh, good grief. You know, this is, you know, he's got there's a SWAT team around the school. Um, it, it's not nice. It's not nice when these things happen. And so um, you, you have to make sure that God is very much front and center in every single aspect of our lives. I could extend that list, but that's it. That's all you're getting on there. We haven't got the time to go through. Um, but it only takes a little bit more reading in Exodus. You don't have to read much to find out that those lovely Israelites lost it straight away. Yeah, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And they were breaking the law again and again and again. They struggled just with 10, let alone the... Hundreds that were to come later on. Okay, so there's 10 there that they can't keep. Because, and this is the reason, that the law is powerless. And I would love every single one of us to grab this. The law is powerless. If we just go ahead and just go, do the Ten Commandments or do this and do that, it doesn't give you any power to do it. You may be sat there going, do you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm freshly inspired to give God more money or whatever. No. It's all about grace. It all comes back to the power of God inside of us because God, and really coming back to the first commandment of loving God with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind, I'm going to say it now is an impossible task. It's absolutely impossible for us to love God with everything all of the time. All right? You feel despondent, yeah? Dis disgust. <laughs> Um, you, you can't. We can't do it. The law is powerless to do. The, we can't fulfill it on our own strength. And you only have to read the stories in the Old Testament to see that it's not possible to do. But in Christ, all things are possible. And that's why we need to bring in this, the power of Christ that lives in us, the power of the Spirit that lives inside of us in all of this here. Do I drop this here? Yeah, let's drop that bit. Okay, so I'm dropping the next bit. Um, so we'll go straight into Ephesians 5, verse 18, um, which says this. Don't be drunk with wine, 
because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's the Spirit of God inside of us, the Spirit of God inside of us, that is there to fulfill the requirements that God wants us to walk in. Amen? We can't love God with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind unless empowered by God to do that. All right? That's, that, that's the way it works. And again, I'm going to get a little bit Greek with you here. Again, it's the passive tense. Weird as it may seem, I could rephrase that and say, allow yourself to be continually made full of the Holy Spirit. Allow yourself to be continually made full of the Holy Spirit. Say yes to God. That's it. Yes, you can fill me, Jesus. Yes, you can fill me to the top. Yes, you can fill me overflowing. Say yes. Allow your heart to be opened to the Holy Spirit. Say yes to him. And out of that, the response will be that you'll be freshly empowered. The Holy Spirit is power. He's fire. The Holy Spirit is the passion we need to love God. You got it? Yes. He's, he's the one inside of us that will bring that fresh burning to keep our minds fixed on Jesus, to keep our thoughts fixed on Jesus, to keep our love growing strong for Jesus. Okay? Thank you. Always good. Because it's there. So every day I've learned to pray, God, I need you today. It has to start with the need. If I don't need, if I think I don't need him, I won't pray this. God, I need you today. I need you today. And if I can't get into that zone of thinking about I need him, then I'll think of a situation which is going to come up where I really will need him. God, I need you. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I need you to handle this difficult situation. I need you to handle life completely. Jesus has deliberately set the bar so high so that it will bring us to a place of humility so we can come to him and say, God, I need you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the reason why it's so high, so that it's the spirit of God inside of us that reaches out and says, please, I need you to flow through me today. It's only the Holy Spirit that will burn inside of us and give us everything we need to be able to fulfill this first commandment here. So it is absolutely essential. I was going to go into, um, I'll, briefly, I'll briefly go through the, the essentialness as well within this of resting in God's love. I'll just cut out a whole load of it. Um, there's a lot of things that demand our attention, a lot of things that promise satisfaction. But experiencing God's love is the only thing that will actually ever truly satisfy. And as we allow the love of God to fill our souls, we won't even desire anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah? Your appetite for sin will go completely through the floor if you are satisfying yourself on God's love. Does that make sense? The other day, we were starving hungry. It was half past one. We'd blocked up here, and the kids were going, we want to go to KFC. It's the nearest restaurant. I really don't want to go to KFC. But I was really hungry. The minute I'd eaten it, I was regret regretting it straight away. There's so many more nutritional restaurants to go to, but it was just the, the thing to fill the hole at the time. I am not wanting to label KFC a sin for the whole thing, but it just 
Putzau, I think, at the time. Had I been filled on something far more nutritional, the smell of KFC burgers would have actually had no difference to my psyche whatsoever, and we would have driven past there quite nicely. You with me? Be filled with something better. <laughs> Be filled with the love of God. Be filled with him. Every single day, I rest in his love. Every single day, I soak in the love of God, because if I don't, then I have not got that fire for God's love burning within me. Right? Rest in his spirit. Rest in his love. And you are equipped then to worship him. You're equipped to walk with him. You're equipped to love him back with everything that it takes. Okay. And as, as you do this, as we put God first in these ways, we're also empowered to live boldly in the world. We're equipped to live courageously so that you can demonstrate the love of God more. You can declare the love of God more with a sincere love. You can intentionally build community just by having a rested spirit. Got that? Just by resting in the love of God, resting in his spirit, you will naturally go out and build community with others. You will naturally transform community because the spirit of God will be all over you. That's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Ish. Well, maybe. I think it is. When God is number one, your relationships will run far better. When God is number one, we'll be, it'll, they'll run far smoother. They'll be far more authentic. And we can see more people brought to Jesus. These are good things. You can smile if you think they are. And you can be sad if you think they're not. But I think they're good things. I, 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 you know, more people brought to Jesus is a good thing. I, in my book. But there we are. Um, if I have the band up, that would be amazing. So, if you fall asleep for all of it, this is where we wake up. Um, just a couple of sentences to remember. God is to be our number one priority. So, let's guard our hearts and let's surrender completely over to him. And then trust in the Holy Spirit to fan our love for God bright. Because it's only by the Spirit of God that these things will happen. Now, as I've already said, Jesus died that our sins could be forgiven. Jesus died that we could enjoy an eternal relationship with God forever. And it's one that brings a new peace. It's one that brings a new hope. It's one that brings a new joy into our lives. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and you may find yourself in one of the following three categories. So if I could have every head bowed, please, that would be fantastic. And uh, I'll just read out these three categories to you now. Number one is that you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, that you've never been a Christian, but you'd like to make this today where you begin your relationship with him. The second one is that you used to walk with Jesus and you would like to reconnect with him today. And thirdly is that you're not sure of your salvation. You're not sure that at the end of your life you'll be going to heaven and you desire that certainty that Jesus offers. If you relate to any of those three, then please pray along with me now, repeating these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. 
I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. Please receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen. Could you raise your hand, please, if you prayed that, with every head still bowed, if you could raise your hand if you prayed that prayer today. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, thank you very much. Just pray right now, Lord God, for these people to receive your peace and your presence afresh in their lives. Help them, Lord God, to know you clearer. Amen. And today I want to do a final category. This might be that you're already walking with Jesus. but You wish to use this moment to freshly devote your life to him to freshly surrender your whole heart to him, to make a sign of that, I would ask you to stand at this particular point, to say that that is what you would like to do. So it's a sign between you and God that you are to devote your life to him. If that's yourself, please stand now. going to give a bit of time for people to do that. Thank you. Give you a, a little bit longer. Lord God, I pray for people here that are stood, that can stand. Lord God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help them in their next steps on with you. Every single person here who has committed to take new steps in their devotion, new steps to freshly devote their lives over to you, that you will help them, Lord God, in every single aspect of that journey, that you'll speak clear, clearly to their hearts, that you'll give them fresh revelation, who you are, a fresh revelation of who they are in you, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for a new zest, a new zeal, a new passion for your name. In Jesus' name, amen.